It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone, it's Ron Johnson. This is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. On today's show, the Vikings are 5-1 going into the bye week. But there are some sneaky things people aren't really catching on to just yet. There's a reason this team is 5-1. Ricky Foggy talks about it. I talk about it, and yes, Ricky Foggy is going to join me. Former Gophers quarterback, former Canadian League quarterback, Ricky Foggy is going to join me on the Monday morning quarterback segment and hanging with Ron Johnson. Coming up next, we're going to tell you, though, why are the Vikings 5-1, and one, and what can they do to not repeat history? Stay tuned. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One-of-a-kind opinions, big-name guests, the teams you care about every 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 day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and as I stated earlier, I'm your host, Ron Johnson. Looking forward to today's show. Like I said, Ricky Foggy is going to join us. We're going to talk Vikings. And like I said, there is something sneaky about this team that people are overlooking. There's there's a little difference in this Vikings team. There's a little something to this Vikings team. There's a little get over the hump, I'll call it. They're getting over the hump. It's not hump day. It's just Monday. But this Vikings team has found a way to get over the hump. Something they haven't done the last two years. How are they getting over the hump? Well, I'll talk about it, but before I do that, make sure you remember, you can now find Locked On Sports Minnesota on Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Sports Minnesota app, and you'll get all your favorite shows. We have to talk about this. The Vikings are 5-1. and one. And when I made my early season prediction, as I do every year with the Vikings on Vikings.com, I get all the tweets, all the hate. You're a homer. You're just doing it because the Vikings are paying you. Uh, if you didn't, if the Vikings weren't putting this video out, you wouldn't say that. Maybe. But you know what? We'll never know because they are heading towards 12 and 5. If you look at this Viking schedule, they are 5 and 1. And I'll let Sam give me his thoughts on the Viking schedule as well. When you look at this Viking schedule, they are heading for. I'm not I'm not going to be too like overzealous about this because anything can happen. This is the NFL. Teams still find a way to lose games that they should win. I should know. I grew up in Detroit and the Lions always find a way to lose a game that they should win. And so if you look at the Vikings right now, they beat the Packers, the Lions and the Bears. So they've run through their own division, Sam. And then if you look at the upcoming games, the Dolphins we thought might have been a tough game, but Tua was out. I, I still don't think the Dolphins beat him with Tua. Like, I think Tua does something that the uh, early quarterback and uh, Skylar Thompson did that Tua doesn't do, which is move out the pocket and get a first down with his legs a lot better. And then what Teddy Bridgewater did was, like, try not to make too much happen. He threw for 329 yards. A lot of it was in comeback mode. But the Vikings gave up 458 yards of offense, and they still found a way to win. Well, how'd they do it? Let's look at, let's look at the schedule first before we jump into that. You got the Cardinals, who looked – horrible for most of that game and they're playing the vikings coming out the bye the vikings are gonna be rested mm-hmm. you got to have guys healthy all the little nagging injuries that you might have saw i think i saw chris Boyd come up lame on a punt so who knows with that hamstring if it's hopefully it's just like a little twinge and he gets uh two weeks to rest it before he has to play again uh you got the commanders which i think that should be a win and then you got a tough one with the bills let's just call that a loss 
But now they're seven and two. You move on to the Cowboys. Who knows what that's going to look like now because I think the quarterback controversy is kind of out. The Eagles make every quarterback look bad, though. So, But no, you, you can't put Dak on the bench after Cooper Rush because an undefeated quarterback is tough to bench, but not a quarterback who just went out there and had three interceptions against the Eagles. So now Dak is going to walk back in, and it's his team again. So you got the Dak Prescott Dallas Cowboys coming to Minnesota at 325. Even if you were to call that a loss, the Patriots are playing a lot better now. The Bill Belichick team is playing well. I'm not going to talk about that game. The Jets are playing well. I won't talk about that. But the Lions should be a win. The Colts should be a win. The Giants. And we don't, we're not going to talk about that one. They're good. I think the Packers, who knows? And then you got the Bears. That's another win. So now we're at 10 wins. Got 10 wins. You got two losses. You're 10-2 and two with five games up in the air, Sam. Quick twitch. Let me know what you think about this. You got the Patriots, the Jets, you got the Giants, and the Packers, and you also, who did I forget? Oh, and the Cowboys. Sorry, so those five games. You're 10-2 and two yep. with those five games. I don't see them losing all five of those games, Sam. Like, I, I mean, unless it just is a meltdown and they go 10-7, and seven, I don't see them losing those five. And that's why I say they can easily be 12-5 and five because if you split with those teams – you beat the Jets. Let's say you beat the Giants because I think they can keep Daniel Jones, but he can run. So that's his run game. That's hurt the team a little bit. But I think, you know, they don't have the receivers they used to have. But I don't see them losing those five games. That's why I say 12-5 and five is right there. But I don't know. What do you say, Sam? Early quick titch of those. They're, if they're 10-2, and two, but then those five games yeah. are up in the air, what are your thoughts? Patriots, Cowboys, Giants, Jets, Packers. Yeah, I think you broke that down the exact same way I would have actually. Like, I, I think that 10 is super attainable because you've got five games where you, I, I bet you have a 75% chance to win Cardinals, Commanders, um, Colts, Lions, and Bears, right? So that gets you 10, and, and you lay that out well. Um, can you go 40%, win two out of five against the, the other tough ones? I think you can. Bills are your toughest game of the year. But then beating the Cowboys at home, you can definitely do that. Beating right. the Patriots at home. Who knows who the quarterback's going to be? But I'm not sure the Patriots are that scary on the road on a short week with any quarterback. I'm more scared about Belichick. I'm more scared about what he schemes up. But that's a winnable game. The Jets and Giants are the two where you didn't expect those to be hard games when the schedule came out. Now, they're both at home, and I think you're going to be favored by, you know, three to seven points in both of those games. Um, so if the Vikings just lose to the Bills, like let's say that's a guaranteed loss, and then they split against Cowboys, Patriots, Jets, Giants, and I guess the Packers in the mix too, um, and who knows where the Packers will be at at that point. A dozen wins is remarkably, it's on the table. Now, this assumes, Ron, that they won't slip up, right, against right. one of those worst teams. And they've kind of been toying with some of these bad teams, and that does scare me a little bit. Um, but if this team comes out of the bye playing some of its best football and showing improvement, there's no reason why they can't put up a gaudy record in this NFC North. This is what I'll say, too, and I didn't even realize this. It just hit me because you, you bought that up. The Patriots having to travel on the short week. The Vikings don't have to travel. Now they are going to have a tough game that night, which is crazy to have a night game Sunday night or late afternoon game and then play again. Like, I don't think the NFL thinks this through. 
half the time. Like, I honestly don't. Like, why are they playing at 325 and then they have a short, even a shorter week? Even though, because, oh, it's only a couple hours. That couple hours is huge when you can put ice on your body and rest and not have to, like, go through the night sore. You can actually ice up all day before you have to go to bed. Like, I don't think the NFL thinks this through, but whatever. That's a totally different subject. But they have to travel. So the Vikings do have the upper hand there. They don't have to travel. They get to stay home. They get to actually have Thanksgiving uh, morning if they want to the head back home for a little bit because I'm pretty sure Kevin O'Connell being young, being a family guy, because they all stay at the Omni. So they'll probably get to stay at the Omni. But then it's like you don't have to stay in the hotel all day. If you're going to go home quick to hang out with your family, get some food, uh, every, they know the guys aren't going to drink, so they're not worried about that. Go home, have some quick, you know, whatever, a, a, a midday brunch, if you want to call it. Get back here for some film, and then we're going to head to the stadium, be to the stadium by whatever time. Uh, Kevin O'Connell might actually be even nicer and say, hey, just stay home. I trust you guys to rest your body. Vets, you know, if you want to be with your family tonight for Thanksgiving. But, you know, that this is one. And this is what I thought about. Game at 720, Vikings fan line after that. Sam, most of us will still be up. We might as well just go Black Friday shopping, like right after the game. Like, I don't Brilliant. think Minnesota understands – how packed some of their stores can be with happy Vikings fans that just beat the Patriots that are still out on the town at midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., that are going to want to get some shopping in at their, like, closest store to go get a TV or a PlayStation or an Xbox, whatever it is. Like, that's actually fun, but that's, that's neither here nor there. We're not going to jump into Friday, Black Friday yet. That's way too far out. Sam, this is where I go when I say I was going to pay off the tease. Do not repeat history. Here's why. The Vikings went 5-1 and one in 2016. Everybody keeps talking about that. But what they're forgetting is they went 5-0. and oh. They went 5-0 and oh in 2016. That was the Laquan Treadwell draft year. They went 5-0. and oh, And then they lost four games. So, yes, they went 5-1, and one, but they also went 5-2, and 5-3, and 5-4. And, and then everybody's like, oh, we're so great. We're 5-0. and oh. We're going to the Super Bowl. Wait, we're 5-4. and four. We suck. And that's how Vikings fans are. Go back on Twitter. You can see it. I went back yesterday and looked at it. It was absolute, like every loss, one, two, three, then four, fans were just like, oh, this is, we're, not, we're the same team we thought we were. Like Denny Green, you right. We were who we thought we were. And then they went eight and eight and missed the playoffs. They went seven and eight before they faced the Bears. And they beat the Bears, which meant nothing because I think they needed another team to win before them. And they made sure those games played at the same time. So that Bears game would actually be like a good game versus putting it at 325 or seven something. And then all of a sudden they see the team before them win. And they're like, well, we can't make the playoffs anyway. So, boom, let's, let's just mail this in and rest everybody. But they went eight and eight and they missed the playoffs. Here's the big difference. The defense was the question mark. Mike Zimmer's defense, they're like, if the defense is not good, the offense is doing well, what's going on with this team? We have to get rid of the coach because his defense is the problem. The defense is still giving up 458 yards. 458 yards, Samuel. 458 yards. When you look at this Dolphins, like you look at the stats, and this is what's crazy to me. 234 yards for the Vikings to the Dolphins, 458. Passing yards. A passing quarterback in Kirk Cousins with Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, threw for 156 yards on the, in the air. The Dolphins threw for three. 85, Sam. Yards per play, 4.7 for the Vikings, a whopping 6.3 yards per play for the Dolphins. First downs. Maybe they dominated first downs. Nope, 11 first downs for the Vikings to the Dolphins, 20 freaking three. They doubled them in first downs. Third down efficiency. Got to be better there, right? Nope, two for 12. Two for 12. Dolphins, four for 14. 
Fourth down efficiency, the Dolphins got one for two because they had to go for it. Total play. Now, this is where it's baffling me. Total plays. There were 123 plays ran in this game. 73 of them were from the Dolphins. The Vikings only 50. Now, here's the one. Sacks allowed. Dolphins got sacked six times. Punts. The Vikings punted 10 times. Dolphins only punted six. But penalties, that's another one. Two penalties for the Vikings, 10 for the Dolphins. And so what's the big difference, Sam? And Ricky Foggy alluded to it. You got a coach that came in with a culture that's like, look, man, we're going to be collaborative. We're going to all get along. I want the defense to like the offense. I want the offense to like the defense. We're not going to point fingers. We're all on the same side. Hey, if you guys give up 458, we're going to just have to score. And that's what this team is doing. The defense is getting the ball back when they need to. Special teams is playing alert. In the past, it was always penalties. People were like, man, the Vikings are always jumping off sides. They're always holding. They're always doing something stupid. They're always doing something to kill a drive. The Dolphins had like six penalties on that one drive, that opening drive with Skylar Thompson, where he right. kept getting big play after big play after big play to Jalen Waddle to uh, Tyreek Hill to Raheem Moster. Big play after big play after big play. And then it's like, flag. I felt like Groundhog's Day. Like, literally, I felt like every time they ran a play, it was a big play. We're all like, oh, my God, they're going to score. A flag, bring it back. Like, every single time. Like, I saw Bill Murray standing there, like, looking like, oh, here we go again. Wait, yep, let me do this again. It's a flag after a flag after a flag. And that fourth and 32 punt that the Dolphins had to have versus a field goal, that changed the game. Like, that changed the game. Those penalties, the Dolphins shot themselves in the foot. That game was theirs for the taking. The Vikings were giving it to them. But Kevin O'Connell's offense, find a way to just make enough plays, found a way to get it done, found a way to stay together as a team. I love seeing Kirk Cousins get pissed off at somebody. I don't know who ran the wrong route because it could have – everybody's saying Justin Jefferson, but it, it, he was throwing it to – it could have been a corner route he was throwing or a fade. So Justin Jefferson ran a hitch. Maybe he had a fade because it was press. Or maybe Justin Jefferson thought he had a hitch because the slot receiver had a corner route. Either way, Kirk Cousins was pissed off. I loved it because that's what we see in other fiery quarterbacks like Tom Brady, like Drew Brees when he would do it. You love to see it because it's not like malicious. It's just like, man, we're better than this. Come on. Because you know Kirk Cousins not over there MFing anybody. He's just like, come on, guys. Frick, what's going on? And what happened? Kevin O'Connell comes over, calms him down, and says, hey, hey, look, we got this. We're good. Hey, maybe it was my fault. Maybe I, I threw in the wrong check, and that play meant this to this guy and this to this guy. Like, whatever. Kevin O'Connell calmed down Kirk. I, if Kirk Cousins had got pissed off, and Mike, you know, at a play in a game. I don't think Mike Zimmer's coming over to calm his quarterback down. I think he's going to put the headset on and run his defense and look over and be like, man, take care of that. Y'all look over. To, and Kirk Cousins would have sat on the bench fuming for the next five minutes while the defense was out there, not talking to us. No, what did Kevin Connell do? He went over there. Hey, you guys got the defense, man. Go run the defense, Ed. I got, I got this. He went over there, calmed Kirk down. Kirk's now talking to receivers. And they got back on the same page. Justin Jefferson, 107 yards, didn't even feel like a big day. It didn't. But then what happened? Kevin O'Connell dialed up plays to get Kirk Cousins going again. He made sure this team knew, we're, we're, this is our game. Like, it feels bad, but we're going to win this. And so that's the big difference to me. And, and Ricky Foggy brought it up. I don't know, Sam, what did you see in your final thoughts before we get out of here and then get to the hanging with Ron Johnson segment with Ricky Foggy? What were your thoughts on that yeah, game? Yeah, fi final thoughts. Vikings just know how to win ugly. They've uh, They've – 
mastered a skill that they did not know how to master last year, and that's huge. Like, winning ugly counts. If you look back at, like, the 2017 Vikings that won 13 games, a lot of those games were ugly, too. If you go game by game, they maybe won four or five convincingly that season. So that's just part of what elite teams have to do. They have to win ugly games uh, down the road. And, yes, the Vikings need to clean a lot up. But in a mediocre NFC, the Vikings are just slightly better. And that's enough right now. So as long as there keeps being an ascension toward the end of this season, I think the Vikings could be in business. Well, if you guys are looking for a daily podcast, check out Locked On Sports Minnesota. Locked On Sports Minnesota gives you endless Vikings talk with local experts. Get your daily 30 of sports with CARE 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson going back and forth with his co-host Luke Inman. It's fast. It's fun. It's a pure sports talk. Your daily Minnesota sports show. And don't forget, we have a word from our sponsors. BetOnline.net. We've been tracking it every day during this football season. It's your number one source for football betting info. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and make sure you're tracking all of the Vikings lines. No, no line this week. It's a buy. Uh, we can start looking ahead soon, though, to next week in that Cardinals line. Uh, the Gophers, let's take a look at what they're facing against Penn State. Four-and-a-half-point uh, four underdogs and a 44-and-a-half over-under in that game. It's not just football. It's MLB, NBA, NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf, the whole nine yards at BetOnline.net. Use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts, and make sure you check out NFL key predictions every Friday on Locked On NFL. Locked On's local experts give you the inside scoop on the five biggest games of the NFL weekend, including Sunday and Monday night football, plus betting advice from the field's leading experts, Bet Online. Follow NFL key predictions every Friday on Locked On NFL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. And that was the Hanging with Ron Johnson segment. Today, as I promised, Ricky Foggy, former Gophers quarterback, according to Daryl Thompson, though, he was a running back because he never threw the ball. <laughs> he always wanted to uh, run the ball because he liked, liked to use his legs. But, Ricky, I want to thank you for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. Uh, let's just jump out there, man. Let, let's let's talk about that first. We've had Daryl Thompson on the show. Uh, he's talked about his career, you know, his time at Minnesota. Uh, when you were a Gopher, what was your, like, what was your favorite memory or game or just time being a Gophers football player back when you played? It's hard to just pinpoint one thing, man, because uh, we had such a, a, a good team chemistry. Um, you know, we had a bunch of guys that just like to hang around each other, compete, and uh, on and off the field uh, together. And so I think just if, if I've got to choose one game, it's got to be Michigan um, in 1986 when we went down there and the big house was 29-point underdog. And we end up upsetting them with the, you know, Chip Low Miller kicking the last second field goal to beat them. I think it was 17 to 14. And, and to listen to 101,000 people go silent, it definitely was uh, gratifying and probably my biggest win in my college career. Yeah, and I, I definitely know what that feels like uh, to silence a, a giant crowd like that. We did that in Penn State. We did Ohio State. So I know, I know that's a fun time. Uh, when you fast forward, and now you're back on campus. You were here uh, for homecoming. You've been around for other games, though. But what, what are you starting to see with this campus atmosphere, with the stadium, uh, the fans were excited? And now, you know, a little bit of consternation when you look at a, at a loss to Purdue, loss to Illinois. 
Um, but but overall, how are you feeling about this program right now? I'm really good. You know, it was it was great to just drive down university and see the kids out there uh, tailgating um, back on campus. You know, a couple of years um, ago because of COVID, it was almost like a ghost town. The atmosphere is great. Um, you know, I remember a couple of years ago when we couldn't get the college students to come to the game, and now the student session is packed. Um, I feel really good about the program. I think that the last two weeks has been kind of a lure um, coming out of the non-conference schedule, 4-0, and a lot of hype. I think we were really excited about this football team. Uh, but I think it's time for these guys to, you know, sit down, take a look in the mirror, and get to staying back on track. But I think PJ's done a great job of creating a, a positive culture over there. He's, uh, you know, guys go to college who wants to eventually get into the NFL. I think he's doing a really good job of getting players to that next level. And so I'm really excited what's going on, you know, see what happens at the rest of the, the, rest of the season. We'll see if we can get to staying back on track and still have a shot at winning the Big Ten West. Yeah, and it looks like Tanner Morgan was knocked out the game. Who knows if he'll be back uh, for this next game, which is a huge game at Penn State, 6.30 p.m., a game like that. That's the game players live for on ABC, wide-out crowd at Penn State. Um, but when you think about Tanner Morgan and this team, everybody was saying, let's get Ethan uh, Caliamantis in the game. He comes in the game, and he – you know, looks like a freshman, looks, you know, trouble deciding where to go with the ball, a little late on his delivery, questioning if I should throw it now or should I wait. Um, when you look at the quarterback play overall, people don't understand how hard it really is. Playing quarterback is not an easy position. You did it at a high level. You played in Canada. You played uh, in college football, which is, it's tough. It's tough. We know that. But when you look at, let's start with Tanner first. When you look at Tanner Morgan, a kid that, you know, could almost throw for 10,000 yards um, if he were to stay healthy this entire season um, and, and continue on. And, you know, people are starting to question, you know, does he have it? What, what do you see in Tanner Morgan uh, that makes him, you know, such, I guess, an accurate quarterback? I think the number one thing is he's, he's got control of the offense. You know, he's uh, in his sixth year, uh, so he's mature. He's, he, he shouldn't see a defense that should surprise him at this point. And he is an accurate uh, quarterback. So I think the important thing is that he can run the offense. I mean, you mentioned Daryl Thompson. So I had DT in the backfield. He's got Mo Ibrahim in the backfield. So that takes a lot of pressure off you as a quarterback. If you can just turn around and hand the ball off to a guy who gets you 200 yards a game. So that takes a lot of pressure off of you, but you still got to go out there and compete. You got to complete those key passes. Um, at the right time. And, you know, he's he's been a solid quarterback. You know, I, I would rather have seen a more flashier um, uh, RPO-type run, dual-threat quarterback, but, hey, I'm not the coach. Um, so <laughs> he's, 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 <laughs> he's done well in this offense. Um, you know, he and, and I think he continued to, to get better. So hopefully he's healthy for this upcoming game because I would hate to see a redshirt freshman go down to Penn Penn State this weekend in a whiteout game uh, and try to ride his shoulders. Yeah, and, and you look at your stats, you know, almost 5,000 yards passing, 2,000 yards rushing. You, you bring up the RPO. Um, that's the one thing I had Tanner Morgan. I did a one-on-one -on -one with Tanner Morgan, and he and I sat down uh, for a good little while and, and, get, and did an interview for the pregame show. And when you look at Tanner Morgan, one, one thing, and you said it, he knows he doesn't run a lot. He knows he's not fast. He did happen to score against Illinois. But 
Do you think that's one of the things that teams are starting to key on now that in this RPO, it's pretty much just run the ball with Mo or pass the ball. You don't have that other option of Tanner Morgan. Once he gets outside the pocket, he's going to take off and burn you for 20, 30 yards. Um, as we saw, he ran, could have, if he had a second gear, that would have been an easy first down, if not more. Guy from the side or from the back, sorry, catches him, punches him in the side of the head. It looks like it's a concussion. But do you think that's one of the things that kind of, you know, is now starting to hold him back when it, like, people aren't scared of him to beat him with his legs? Yeah, there's no question. I mean, if you're going to run that type of offense, just look at look at the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, what they're yeah. doing with Jalen Hurts. You know, they're running that thing. He's killing the NFL with that RPO um, and because he's worked on his throwing. He has – he can run. And so I think it is. If, you, you gotta, if you're going to run that RPO, you got to have those components as a quarterback. You got to be a dual threat. You got to be able to get on the corner and you, because you are – the one person and they can't defend. Uh, so uh, with him not having that ability to, you know, like you say, get that extra gear, I think it is hampering him in their offense at this point. So you have Rashad Bateman, Tyler Johnson, you've had Chris Altman Bell, now Daniel Jackson, Dalen Wright, you got a 6'7", 270-pound tight end in uh, Brevin Span Ford. You look at John Michael Schmidt, one of the best centers in college football. You got Quinn Carroll, a great offensive tackle to transfer back from uh, Illinois. You got Felingo from Michigan at guard. Uh, so, you know, P.J. Fleck through the transfer portal, through just recruiting, is put together. And then, of course, you brought it up, Mo Ibram. You know, really good offensive weapons. If you were to put yourself in this offense with this RPO, with Kirk Sharaka, the check with me, he's actually helping you with the coverage because every time you check with him, he's going to make sure you can see everything that you might not be able to see from behind the center that he can see or the booth can see of like, hey, the safety's down a little bit lower than you probably think. We're going to run this player. Hey, they come into the box late because I saw a couple times with Illinois where there was like 15 seconds and they snapped the ball in Illinois blitz versus if they had done a fake go or some type of like fake get that guy to walk up. Now you know it's a corner crash blitz. Now you can maybe run a different play, like a bubble screen or something to know, like, you're not going to blitz me with the corner and cover my slot receiver with a linebacker coming from the inside. So it's little things like that. But how how effective would you have been in P.J. Fleck and Kirk Sharaka's offense as a quarterback yourself? See, when when we came into the the Big Ten in 1984, which seemed like it was almost a century ago, <laughs> it was a passing league, right? So you had like Jack Trudeau, um, Chuck Long, Harbaugh, you know, all those guys was tossing the ball around. So what we what we did, we came in with the option, and so that's this is that was the old school form of the RPO, like that was the real, um, true on the line. You read it. And, and and so it was tough to defend because everybody was working on the passing game. So, um, you know, I was pretty fast and, and I was able to read the defense. Um, we always had check with me, you know, we was old school. That's the way we was prepped. You know, we didn't have to look over to the sideline to see, you know, what we was going to run. That's what we've been repped in practice every day. So we knew um, probably about 90% of our plays was check with me. And so, yeah, to be honest, if I was an RPO these days, I'd be deadly. <laughs> no question about it. <laughs> you know, I couldn't, I couldn't really pass that well in college, um, but uh, that's something I had to work on once I got to the CFL. 
but yeah, there's no question, man. I thought I, if and me and DT we had the RPO today in our in our college game, um, seriously, we'd be almost unstoppable. So yeah, so Daryl Thompson loves to make jokes about that, man. What what was it about? Like Daryl would be like, man, I'm wide open, and Ricky still wouldn't pitch it to me on the option. Uh, like like what was that? Did you trust yourself more than him, or you're just like, look, man, like I I know you're out there, but I, I think I can make this play. No, you see, you gotta remember, right? When <clears throat> when I came in, uh, when I got here, it was me, and you know, and a couple of the decent running backs. So for two years, you know, I was a primary runner in our offense, okay. and so they gonna tell me, you know, hey, you know, we got this guy Daryl Thompson coming in, and uh, you know, he's gonna be able to be a great addition to our offense, right? So I was still the man. So DT <laughs> had to wait his thing, right? In my mind, I'm still the man until you know. He he got my complete confidence when I seen this cat go 99 yards at Michigan, though. And so I kind of told myself, yeah, you better start pitching the ball, pitching the ball to this guy a little bit more. <laughs> oh, man. And, and one last one before we jump into the Daily Three. Of course, that's three questions, three minutes each. Sam's going to throw some questions at us. You'll take a minute and a half. I'll take a minute and a half. Be fast-paced, fun. Uh, but before we jump into that, a little NFL football, because this is the Monday morning quarterback segment. Uh, we got Ricky Foggy joining me on the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. And Ricky, when you think about NFL, because you played in the CFL, like you talked about, which is a true passing league. I went over there for two years and was with the uh, Edmonton Oilers, or Edmonton first. I think, what were they, Oilers or Eskimos? Eskimos. Eskimos. Uh, and then I got traded to Calgary. Um, I forced my way to Calgary, I guess you want to say, because I wanted to be in Calgary. I don't know why. Uh, everybody said it was a better city, so I wanted to check it out. Um, but, yeah, it was a true passing league. Um, it was nonstop. I mean, running backs, they were great to have because you didn't have as many down linemen. You didn't have as, as many linebackers in the box. And so if you had a fast running back to get on the edge, uh, good luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, when you look at a true passing league, and, and so going to the NFL now, which has, you know, it's become that. You know, the running game for certain teams – is out the door when you look at the Rams, now with the Vikings, and now this team's relying on Kirk Cousins. And when you see Kirk Cousins, uh, think about culture change. Because, we, had, you know, you, you talk about Brewster to Mason to Jerry Kill to Clays, now to P.J. Fleck. Culture's changed. You look at Mike Zimmer, uh, you look at Denny Green, and now you got Kevin O'Connell. Culture has changed. One reason I can see, Kirk Cousins is on the plane putting on diamond chains like he's Gucci Mane or, you know, like he's little Baby or something sitting in the back of the plane, diamond out. Like the first week, it was one chain, had a spinner. I think it was Chris Boyd's. This week, everybody, I think, that had a chain went over and put it on Kirk's neck. <laughs> Kirk was rocking it on the plane on the way back last night. I love it because, one, he looks like a dad. Like he looks like a granddad. Had his T-shirt tucked into his jogging mm-hmm. pants, but he had the gold chains <laughs> on, you know, like LL Cool J back in the 80s. And so when you see a quarterback kind of loosen up, uh, do stuff like that on the plane, not afraid to like have fun with his teammates, let them videotape them and make fun of them on social media. I mean, that's kind of the next step of like really gelling with not just the offense, but the defense. Cause you see DBs now coming up, putting the chain on Kirk on the plane. Uh, what, what do you think is the reason for Kirk kind of coming out of his shell now, when you think about he's been in this league forever, uh, but he's finally like, looks like he's loosening up and coming out of his shell. That's one. That's one simple answer, man. That's coaching, right? Mm-hmm. That's Kevin O'Connell coming in, knowing he's got some dudes on this football team, right? So they went out and got a couple more guys, but his offense is loaded with talent. 
So yeah. what's been the one problem? Like Kurt, like cousins been like Zimmer had a chokehold on this dude. Right? So the first thing Coach O'Connell does is come in and go like, hey, Kurt, you're the guy. We ain't looking for nobody else. All right. You just need to relax. Like you say, maybe take that t-shirt out of untuck that t-shirt out of your sweatpants. <laughs> right? Let loose a little bit. Because I got complete confidence in you. And the, the thing has always been is Kurt isn't a bad quarterback. Like I always mm-hmm. tell people, he's not a bad quarterback. He just hasn't been able to finish games, right? And yep. and so there's a reason for that, right? So now this dude is loose. You know, you can see everybody like each other. Like Coach O'Connell has brought in this relaxed atmosphere and accountability to these guys. Like, okay, I'm going to loosen you guys up but I'm going to hold you guys accountable as professionals. And you can see that in the way they play. I mean, this team in one year has changed dramatically, dramatically just from like a player feelings. Like they feel for each other. Under Zimmer, Zimmer just looked like they was on pins and needles, you know, all the time. Now these guys love playing for each other, and it shows on the field because – those close games they was losing last year, now they're pulling them out. So that's yeah. coaching. Yeah, well, I love that take. I, I, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what the Vikings do now. You got the bye week. Now you got to win the bye week, as PJ Reflect would say. Don't end up in the media. Don't end up on TMZ. Just go to my – because I heard guys all last night saying they were going to my aunt, going back to my aunt. Like they're going to fly to Minnesota last night and then literally jump on a plane Monday morning and head back to Miami for a lot of these guys. And so <laughs> – that's the one thing. Don't stay off up. of the boat, bro. Exactly. Don't have a boat party. Don't be on TMZ. <laughs> like, relax, rest. But coming up next, I'm looking forward to this with Ricky Foggy. We're going to have the daily three. As I said, Sam Ekstrom's going to jump on. He's going to read us some questions. We're going to answer them. We got three minutes on the clock. And make sure you check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube, following every Twins, Vikings, Wild, or Wolves game. Our Locked On team hosts are broadcasting live with Team Insiders. Never miss a podcast by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube. And this is the one time where you're going to have Wolves, Wild, and Vikings breakdowns all in the same week sometimes. Of course, we could have had some Twins, but they couldn't find a way to get it done. But also the Amazon Fire and Roku now have the Minnesota Locked On Sports app. You can get all of our videos. Well, here we go. It's the Daily Three. Take it away, Sam. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, I want each of your revised Gophers win-loss predictions for the season. They are six games in. They've got six games left at the exact halfway point of the year, and they're 4-2 and two right now. So, Ron Johnson, you can go first. Where will the Gophers end up record-wise this season? Oh, man, this is a tough one for me, Sam. I can't believe you did this to me. But here's where I go with this. I think Iowa-Wisconsin – uh, when you look at the Gophers uh, schedule, so you, you start off early. Everybody had them going at this point, like with like 10 and 10 and two. 
you know, and everybody says still saying 10 and two is for the taking Michigan state is not as good as Michigan state thought they were. Michigan state is not as good as Mel Tucker thought he was, but they did find a way to win against Wisconsin. So this is what college football does. You just Tennessee beat Alabama, which I think a lot of people saw coming, but Tennessee beat Alabama. Alabama's now six. I can't imagine a year without Alabama in the college football playoff. And I'm pretty sure Condoleezza Rice and her friends are going to find a way to get Alabama back in this. But when you look at the Gophers schedule going forward, you got Penn State coming up. I'm going to leave that one out of this. I think they can beat Rutgers. That's one. I know they can beat Nebraska. That's two. Northwestern is always a toss-up. But Northwestern comes to Minnesota November 12th. So one, it's going to be a little chilly. We know Northwestern is going to come out there and try to take their shirts off and get their nipples out in the air and, and show everybody they're tough. But I feel like Mo Ibram, you know, again, week after week, his, his ankle is going to continue to get healthier. He had a heavy wrap on that ankle and still was able to go out there and ball out. You can tell, though, he didn't have that push. He didn't have that quick twitch on that, that, that hurt ankle. But when he got through, he got through. Um, and so I'm a count Northwestern. That's three. And then you got Iowa, Wisconsin. That's five. So that's five wins there. If they lose to Purdue, Illinois, and Penn State, it does feel bad. And this is why, because they're all in a row. That's a three game losing streak. So to, to go from winning that many games to losing, I'm going to say nine and three. That's my prediction right now. Ricky. Yeah, I, I have to agree with Ron. Um, I'm going eight and four. I agree with everything that Ron says, uh, except for Iowa. I just think oh. for some weird reason, France has this hold on Coach Fleck, and I don't know what it is. He just can't beat him. You know, he's we can beat Wisconsin uh, at any time, anywhere. Um, I'm, I just don't. I'm not. I'm not. So that we can beat Iowa for just for some reason, probably because he haven't beaten Iowa. So I'm, I'm okay yeah, with everything that Ryan said. I'm going eight and four. Mm. Okay, Brian Ferentz, though. I mean, this is the one. If we're going to beat Iowa, this is the year because Brian Ferentz <laughs> can't figure out how to call play. Like that dude looks so lost every time the media. I love when they show him trying to call a play in a crucial moment. He looks so lost. Like, Dad, help me out. Like, I don't know what to call here. And his dad's like, dude, I, I'm paying you over a million dollars. Like, bro, get it together. Like, total nepotism there. What you got next, Sam? <laughs> All right. So if you look at the Big Ten standings right now, it's like it's upside down. You, you would never believe that the order from top to bottom is the correct order because it looks backwards. Illinois, Nebraska, and Purdue are the current top three in the Big Ten West. So my question to you which of those three teams has the best chance to actually win the Big Ten? Ron, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to go with Illinois. I don't know what's going on with Brett Bilema, but he's got that team playing well. Now, there's a thing. People forget about the transfer portal. That Tommy DeVito kid was not his quarterback. He got a quarterback out of the portal just like USC got Caleb Williams. It doesn't always work because we know also Nebraska got Martinez, or uh, not Nebraska, but Kansas State got Martinez. He's won some games, but I've heard he's not as good as people think he is. He's just, he's running well in certain games. But when you get a quarterback like Tommy DeVito out of the transfer portal, kid can run, kid is accurate, he's a veteran. That's what Brett Bielema did. Like, he found a guy that said, you know what, you're a stopgap quarterback. You're probably not my future, but you're going to get me through this, and I am going to turn this program around. Well, 
That's what he does. And he has a great running back. Like, he has a great run game. So when you can run the ball like that, your defense doesn't give up big plays, and your quarterback is playing well, I'm going to go with Illinois because of who you look at they got left. You got They got Nebraska. They got Michigan State. They got Purdue. They got Michigan. They're going to get their butts kicked against Michigan. But then they got Northwestern. Like, their next – what, one, two – their next five games are winnable except for Michigan. Michigan is going to beat the brakes off of them. But I don't know, though. Michigan might – not say they're going to lose, but Michigan, it might be a close one because Brett Bielema knows Michigan. Like, he knows this Big Ten. So, I'm, I'm going to go mm-hmm. with that. I think Illinois has the best chance right now with the record they, with the teams they have left. Ricky? Okay. <clears throat> and you say the question was – Who's going to win the Big Ten? Or so the West? Illinois, Illinois, Purdue, and Nebraska are the top three. So which of them has the best chance to emerge as the Big Ten West champion? Oh, I was okay. I get it now because I was about to say none of them going to win the Big Ten, <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, I again, uh, unfortunately, yeah, yeah unfortunately, uh, I'm gonna have to agree with with Ron again. I don't usually do this this many times. <laughs> um, but that portal is real, right? The transfer portal is real. If you can get one, two, or three key guys to help uplift your program, and DeVito is that guy uh, for Illinois. You know, he's not a great quarterback, but he's accurate. He can move. Um, they rely heavily on that running back. And Illinois is just Wisconsin when Billima was there years ago. You know, he's taking that same formula they had at Wisconsin, pound the football, play hard-nosed defense, and don't turn the ball over, and we'll just physically beat you up. And so, yeah, like I said again, I'll agree with Ron this time. Illinois. November 12th. November 12th, I think, is going to side the West because Illinois and Purdue play each other. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, Nebraska still has to play Minnesota. Purdue still has to play Wisconsin. I mean, there's some, there's some tough ones in there. So, I, I think – or, yeah, they got to play Wisconsin this week. So, I think November 12th, Purdue versus Illinois, which who would ever thought that would decide the Big Ten West, but that's a game everybody's going to be watching. What you got next, Sam? Yeah, last one. Uh, I want to get an NFL question in here. Who is the most underrated quarterback in the NFL today? Maybe it's Kirk Cousins or maybe it's somebody else. Uh, Ron Johnson, who you got? The most underrated. I'm going to go with, uh, Jalen Hurts. Like, I think Jalen Hurts, everybody was, like, writing him off and kind of saying, like, oh, they got to figure this out. Jalen Hurts, I mean, watching him against Dallas, this kid has control. He and, – and, and what I love, and Ricky brought this up, the Eagles know what they have in him. When it's time to ice a game, it's the Jalen Hurts show with his legs. Like, they just run the ball. And that's how he got to beat up on the Vikings. Like, you can't tackle this guy with an arm tackle. You got to wrap him up like a running back. Like, the kid can squat 600 pounds. Like, he is a beast. And so, when it's time, I think they had like a seven-minute drive to kind of take a lot of time away from the Cowboys to have a chance to come back. But it was give the ball to Jalen Hurts. We're going to run the RPO. If you guys keep backing up, scared of the pass from A.J. Brown. And A.J. Brown, too. I mean, you give Jalen Hurts. That's why now I see why uh, the Titans coach, uh, when they made that trade during the draft, and I don't know if he knew the cameras were on him, he, like, stood up and slammed his, like, like, are you kidding me? Did we just trade our best receiver? And then last night you saw why he was pissed off. A.J. Brown with the ball in space is tough. And now you give Jalen Hurts a weapon like that. You add Darius Slay. You added uh, the other corner, number 24, um, Gardner, jo- uh, Gardner Johnson. Like, th- that team is playing well. And so I got to go with Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts is underrated. 
Ricky, who you got? Finally, I don't have to agree with Ron. <laughs> I'm going with Daniel Jones uh, for the Giants. Ooh. You know, wow. And, and as we've kind of mentioned in this podcast, it's like coaching, right? So the guy from the Bills comes over who had a stud in Josh Allen, and mm-hmm. trust me, Daniel Jones is no Josh Allen, right? But this guy know how to call plays. Right, they got Saquon Barkley. He's back. He's healthy, and they're not heavily relying on Daniel Jones like they was his first couple of years. And they got him with some receivers, and he's letting them chunk it. You know, um, Saquon Barkley is balling out like he was, you know, a couple of years ago, and I think the Giants are five and one or four and two, and you know that's something that I don't think many people realize what's going to happen this early in the season. So. Daniel's playing really good, consistent football, and um, that's my guy. Daniel Jones, I think, is underrated. Yeah, Giants are 5-1. and one. They're second in the NFC East. When you look at the NFC East, it used to be the dumpster of the NFL for, for a couple seasons, and now you got the undefeated Eagles. You got the 5-1 and one Giants, the competing Dallas Cowboys who just lost to the Eagles. I mean – that's a tough division on then you got the Washington Commanders. But that's a tough division <laughs> when you look at those three, probably because of the way that rest of the NFC is playing right now. I mean, the Packers are three and three. The 49ers are three and three. You know, Tampa Bay is not do, dealing, doing well. Um, it's it, This is the year. Now, this is definitely a year for the Vikings to make the playoffs. But now there's a year where three oh. NFC East teams, because seven teams make it, might make the playoffs, which is crazy to think the Giants are going to. And the Jets might be in the playoffs. I mean – that's even crazier. Like the Jets, the Jets might make it to the end of playoffs. Like Zach Wilson's getting it done. But I want to thank Ricky Foggy for joining me on the Ron Johnson Show. Make sure you go back and watch the interview. If you have not seen the sitting down with Ricky Foggy segment, find our videos on Locked On Sports, Minnesota's YouTube channel, and also Amazon Fire, Roku. Make sure you go on there. It's on your TV. It's on your tablet. You can get all the Locked On Sports Minnesota shows when you download that app. You'll find the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on those two stations. You can see all the YouTube stuff right there on your TV. I want to thank you guys. Continue to like, download, share, comment. Let us know what you think. Who's the most underrated quarterback in the NFL? Is Ricky Foggy right? Did one coaching change help Kirk Cousins come out of his shell? You tell us. Well, thank you. Have a great day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.